0: Looking at your career, obviously Star Trek is the big one. But once you start looking deeper, I mean, going back to dinosaurs, which I think people forget, just how groundbreaking something like that actually was. Uh, you did Spider-Man. You were Craven the Hunter. Spider-Man just as a voice actor. Gargoyles. Uh, so it, it, I'm definitely very excited to chat with you and sort of pick your brain on a lot of stuff. Uh, yep. Actually, let's start with dinosaurs. When okay. you know in the '80s, you you did a lot of work, TV shows, episodes here, there, and then you get a show like Dinosaurs, which is. I mean, totally out of left field. It's just something new. It was, I believe, TGIF originally. Mm -hmm. What's sort of going through your mind? What are your expectations? Is this just like some wacky job that I'm taking or was it exciting to feel like it might be a new direction where things might be moving in?
1: Well, um, it wasn't as exciting as you might think just because it was fun and I loved it. I mean, I thought it was a funny funny show and what the idea that they had was very funny. But at that point, I was doing quite a lot of voiceovers and with voiceover actors, the ones who work a lot. uh, I'm not I'm not one. There's a lot of guys who Mm -hmm. there's a small cadre of guys that work all the time. Mm -hmm. And to them, they go in, they do a job and they leave, you know, and if it works out great. If it doesn't, you know, then great. You know, they go on to the next one. So so that's what it was, because it was only I only did two episodes for them. Mm -hmm. And they liked the voice, and they liked this kind of kind of thing that mm-hmm. uh, that I brought to the, one of the characters. So they had me back for another character. Mm-hmm. And uh, and although the show was 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 very funny, um, um, you know, when I left the second time, it was like, okay, thanks guys. Okay, Michael, we'll <laughs> see you later, and that's that was kind of it. So.
0: And that's sort of yeah, yeah, And at that point, like you said, you go in, you do something, and then it's on to the next project. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually around the time sort of shortly after that that you did get Star Trek, uh, where you know you're getting put on this makeup and you're sort of becoming this character that, that actually look Star like Trek was, was before Dinosaur. Really? Yes. Really the gig that you had. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, once you got on Star Trek at that point already, I mean, you were if it became this whole thing. Not necessarily, uh, I believe, with the first season. It's sort of something that grew. Uh, but you're still going off and doing, doing, you know, voice acting. What's sort of the motivation? Uh, I mean, besides financial and being a professional actor and all that stuff, what's sort of the motivation from going to these different jobs and finding these different roles?
1: Well, you know... Well, first of all, it's a job, mm-hmm. which is which is very rare in this business. Not, um, you know, I was very fortunate, but a lot of people aren't very fortunate. You know, they work very little. Some people work a lot more than I do. Some people work as much as I do. So, you know, work is work. That's the first thing. Um, I, I, it's a funny thing. You don't think, or let me put it, I don't think that it's going to turn into a, a lifelong job. You know, like oh, this is going to be, you know. Because we have, well, or this is going to be a a hit show and I'm going to do it for 20 years. And, uh, you know, because uh, there's a funny thing that happened on Star Trek a lot is that whenever we get a guest actor, you know, they'd come on the show and, hey, how you doing? And we talk and they said everything and say, oh, yeah, you know, they told me that this is probably going to turn into a reoccurring. And just about (laughs) every guest actor said that. And we would just go, really? And we'd look at each other, and because it's just their way of, of trying to get the best actors. And if you can sweeten the pot by saying, yeah, you know, so, so nobody, but the thing with the funny thing about voiceovers, is nobody ever said that to me. They never said, oh, this is going to be, you know, they, they always said, hey, thank you, Michael. That was great. And then a week later or two weeks later, I get another call, oh, they want you to come back, you know, oh, thank you. And I go in, I do it leave and then you know that's kind of it so it just was never um uh any other motivation except you're working um which is always a big thing because that means that you know that your name is still out there
0: yeah well you actually said something interesting i read uh, a quote when asked about doing star trek and you know does it ever become monotonous to do tv shows that something that you necessarily want to, to be this one character for so long and your answer was really interesting you said how many other actors get to say they've worked this long and get to make six movies and and i feel that's sometimes lost that that this character it it has become you know so identifiable so much you know as other roles maybe even more than other roles and other characters that people have portrayed
1: <clears throat> well it's it's uh, i didn't i don't really or i didn't really think about that once again it was about you know all of us were very fortunate that we had a job, you know, that lasted, um, you know, a long time, because, you know, you, all of us were journeymen, as as I like to call it. I mean, we were working actors. We had done things. Uh, we weren't household names like uh, Will Wheaton or or LeVar Burton. So, but we understood from the very start that. Hey, you got a great job. You're going to make a little money. You can take it easy for, you know, maybe a year or two after that, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to worry, but, but that's kind of as far as we looked ahead. You know, we didn't, and you, I, I know this because when I worked on a show many, many years ago, you know, I had that same emotion, which was, Oh, it's a network show, it's in the top 20, oh, this is it, my career is made, I don't ever have to, you know, think about it, in, you know? And that wasn't the case. And that's, that's the way it is for everybody. You know, sometimes you get lucky, but most of the time you don't. So, so we don't, none of us really thought about it as, oh my God, this is, you know, gonna be iconic, or
0: mm-hmm.
1: this is gonna be, this is gonna last for, you know, for 20 years or something like that. Nobody thought that. I didn't think that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it's so strange to think about it now. Also, you mentioned it's a network show, and uh, I feel we're getting to a point where generations now are not even going to know the cachet that that used to carry. Where if you have a network show, you're automatically you know yeah. have the possibility to be exposed to so yeah. many millions of people. Where sure. now we live in an era of Netflix and Amazon and HBO and and all these cable channels, where you know when when Star Trek Next Generation came out. It was sort of this niche sci-fi show on a network uh, channel, whereas now it might be some trendy hot sh- show on Netflix, which, which is aiming to be the mainstream show.
1: Well, they, they the, we were syndicated. So we were first-run syndication, which means we weren't a network show. We were mm. basically Paramount produced the show and filmed it, and they sold it to whoever wanted it. Mm. So it wasn't a network show. They didn't get a network show until, I think, Voyager I think Voyager was a network show for UPN for yeah. the UPN network. So it's it's a different uh, in a lot of ways it's different because a network show is the sort of you know the gold standard because yeah. you get you know you're on a network uh it's well established there's you know the the advertisers are there it's like a machine You know, you get paid a lot more uh, than you do in the um, the syndicated because they didn't know what syndication was at that point. They didn't know how to, Mm -hmm. you know, how it was going to look. So um, but it it wasn't a network show. And so once again, it was it was one of those things where uh, along with knowing that this may just end after two years uh, and not getting not being a network show, we were we called ourselves this saturday morning kids space show you know
0: yeah and, and again because,
1: uh, because it was in science fiction in that in those days it was still relegated to um uh to the back burner
0: yeah so, i mean and this yeah. was late 80s this was even before sort of the 90s where you had x files and all oh. this stuff on on fox right. where it sort of exploded mm-hmm. and like i said now you turn on netflix and you know star trek is a kind of show that they would be banking their money on and, and oh, yeah. going for the trendy mainstream audience and i mean star trek next generation it's one of those shows where it sort of elevated the the sci-fi genre where it became more dramatic uh, more theatrical on television and uh I, personally i know people who are obsessed with it i'm sure you come across it all the time at the conventions one of my best friends actually has your face as worth tattooed On his body so you know I'm sure that's kind of stuff that that.
1: I think well there's somebody else I don't know if it's your friend but I've I've seen that
0: really and you know and people just became so obsessed with it Mm -hmm. and when I ask him you know about the different you know there's the original Star Trek Next Generation Voyager he doesn't watch the original Star Trek not not a big fan there's something about your version of the shows something about the way that it was done that resonated with audiences that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, and not necessarily just sci-fi audiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, you say you, you were a part of this show, you become, you know, you were uh, doing different shows. You come on this one and it starts to blow up a little bit. And then what happens because you were in the few actors who ended up going to uh, deep space nine. So what's it like, uh, you know, sort of, building this family on Star Trek and then sort of, you have to start new again on this new show, except you're still carrying that, that old character. Yeah.
1: Well, it, it wasn't, it, you didn't have to start new. Um, you didn't have to start a new, it was, you were basically coming over there to help them, you know, with the ratings mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff because they were, uh, the ratings weren't where they were, they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't new. Uh, I was just you know continuing with Wharf. Yeah. and the uh, the other players had to um, were basically uh, were all, we were all kind of trying to find you know whatever fit it was going to be mm-hmm. um, it was it was a, a really interesting time for a lot of reasons because um, it, it, two things I love the challenge the challenge of it all because um if i go over there and it doesn't work out then i'm just an overpaid you know has been actor yeah you know uh so it was really important for me to make it work you know to uh to be as solid as i could and uh and if it worked out then great you know i was the hero um so it was it was a challenge you know to kind of Okay. See, you know what? What is this going to turn out to be? Um, luckily, it worked out, and everybody was happy. So,
0: yeah, I mean, there has to be some sort of level of confidence, sort of like Reggie Jackson coming into the Yankees, you know, where where you're swinging the big bat. You sort of need me right now. You know, it's a different experience than when you first get on the the, oh, yeah. the show and start developing this character. There, there had to be some some sort of fun to that.
1: Well, the fun part was in this business when they call you and they want you that is different than you know than anything else because usually you're the one that's coming in there and auditioning and you want the job and you're signing the contracts and the contracts are all you know the contracts all um uh what's the word for it benefit the Mm -hmm. studio or the production company they don't benefit you and so uh, my lawyer at you know uh, was also a dear friend he and I were salivating because um, you know for the first time in your career, somebody's coming to you and going, "We want you let 's see what we can do and so you're in a you're in a pretty good position uh, i've never i've never been one to sort of put throw my weight around and i don't i don 't believe in that stuff uh, so the only thing I was concerned about was them. You know, keeping close to what Worf is and what he was and and what made him a popular character and not try to stray on either side. You know, don't try to make him a hilarious guy or try to make him, you know, um, ironic, you know, or anything like that. Just keep him who he is. And uh, that's kind of the only thing that I really was, you know, strong about, you know, or very clear about. But, you know, a person could go in there and throw their weight around. But, but I didn't, I was just, it was, it was a great, um, I was very fortunate. I was extremely fortunate to go back to that.
0: And after so many years, I mean, anyone who's, who's attempting, not just, you know, in the film industry, who's trying to make it, you know, an industry that requires lofty sort of ambition and lofty goals, In the back of your mind, you're always thinking to anyone who doesn't want to work with you, it's like, you'll see one day, you know, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep trucking and trucking. Then you get to that moment where finally they call you. Is that where in the back of your mind you say this was the moment all those years that I was waiting for? Uh,
1: No, the moment the thing that I was waiting for my my whole career was was the was the time where I could pick and choose the uh, the projects I want to do. Uh, you know, where I have the freedom. And that didn't happen until maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, the, when you, when Star Trek was over, you, although we did a lot of movies, all of us did quite a few movies in between. When it was over, you're back auditioning again, which means you're back in the pool. And that's where you have to start all over again. You have a little you have a little cachet. People kind of know you and they know where you are and they know what you're doing. And sometimes you'll get a call that says, hey, we really want you to do this, you know, this movie and here's the offer and will you do it? But most of the time it's, it's back to the grindstone.
0: Yeah. And that, that feels like something that's different also now in the age of social media, where, you know, as an actor, you can sort of, show your own key performance indicators by saying, okay, here's how many followers I have and, and this and so forth, which is something you couldn't necessarily do back then. Do you think that's maybe hurting or helping the situation? You know, it's such because a... It's, a lot of people it, just get cast based on social media.
1: Yeah, they do. They do. Um, how many followers do you have? Oh, my God. Yeah. And... I'm sorry but I just think it comes down to good writing and good acting and good casting. You you can you, you can never predict anything. You know, you could have a guy with a million followers and it goes nowhere, you know, or you know I mean or there's a there's a, a media darling who's doing this but how does that translate to anything except maybe to to advertising? But otherwise, it, it always comes down to a good story, um, some wonderful actors, and, you know, a, a good idea, you know? I mean, yeah. and, is that, and this, is, this is my point, is that we all, they, they've always been trying to figure out the formula. Mm-hmm. How can we do this to make a crap load of money, you know? And very rarely does it happen, and, and most of the time, it's accidental. Like when uh, I just read an article uh, about Sam Jackson, who took that first uh, uh, Nick Fury role. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't, it was just one role. I mean, he was like, yeah, this is great. And and all of a sudden he's done, I don't know how many pictures, you know, that's something that they, they didn't predict. They didn't know that that was going to be that way. And most of the stuff out there is things that have happened that have been unpredictable, you know the big um, blockbusters and are, are shows that nobody knew, you know. Yeah,
0: I mean Johnny work. Depp was known as this avant-garde actor, and now all of a sudden he's the world's most famous pirate. Oh my you know, god, it's I mean, it's, I mean, it's crazy.
1: It's you know, or or Keanu Reeves in, in The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You know? I mean, Although, no. I, I feel there's something about TV shows there where there's more opportunity for that because you might have a million Instagram followers, but with a TV show, you have to keep reinvesting into each episode. Yeah. It's not a 20-second clip on YouTube. It's something you have to keep coming back for, and whatever fan base you're growing won't be off of whatever silliness you're doing online. It'll be strictly based off of the, the product, so... That's where I feel right now in an age where TV shows and movies are sort of blending. TV shows still sort of, you know, you have to keep coming back for, you know, I mean, it used to be 20 some odd episodes. Now every show, it seems like it's 10 episodes a season, but you still have to come back. And, you know, by episode three, you're going to forget about what you saw on Instagram or Facebook. You're just thinking about the plot of that show.
1: I mean, how you know, how many episodes can you do about, you know, uh, cute cats? You know, yeah, it's like, uh, OK, yeah. and and I think that everybody's just grasping, trying to find some formula when they just, you know, just find a great script and a good idea and and film it. You know, yeah, that's the best you can do.
0: So. Just to an experiment. And that's, you know, that, and that's why I think a lot of people are against Netflix because of what they're doing to sort of the film industry. But at the same time, who else is experimenting the way these platforms oh, are yeah. experimenting right now?
1: And, and the thing is that, you know, the, the film industry was, was very closed. I mean, it was for a long time. I mean, there used to be a time when there was three networks, you know, there used to be a time where, you know, if you weren't at 20th century Fox or MGM or, mm-hmm. or, um, or Warner brothers, then, you know, you're not making movies, you know? So I, I think that, that having so many platforms has, has opened it up and I'm, I'm happy about that because that means a lot of actors are working. Yeah, they may not be making network money, or they may not be mm-hmm. making, you know, like you know, twenty million dollars a picture, but they're working, and yeah. people and people binge on the shows. People like the shows. Hey, you know, I mean, some,
0: you
1: know, I'll be sitting around my, with my friends, and they'll mention five or six shows that they binge on that they watch religiously, and I've never heard of them. Yeah, and that's it, not bad. That's not bad. That's that's perfectly fine you know it's
0: sort of become like with music where everyone has like these three bands they listen to that you've never heard of and that's That's what tv shows are now where and and to think that so much of it is going on and you didn't really have that before because you know there was always what was it uh september you get the new lineup of shows and then you know, there's the summer break, and now it's just constant influx of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, yeah, it might be less money, but I think back to Sopranos, which now it's this huge monster. But back then, a show on HBO, no one knew what it was going to be. It wasn't like having something on NBC or, or on CBS. And now we know every actor's name on that show. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so so quality gives you the opportunity to sort of amplify uh, your your so- message.
1: And also going to, to cable, you, you, you can take more risks mm-hmm. than you can on, on uh, network shows. Mm-hmm. Networks are very tight and they're very sort of like, okay, no, we can't do this, we can't do this. And oh, HBO was the first one that went, whoa, you know, what was that?
0: You know? Yeah, well, it's not TV, it's HBO.
1: Yeah, it's not TV. Yeah. So, um, so I think it's a... all good. I, the only thing that I, that I you know, I, have, I don't have an issue with it. Anyway. I'm just happy that our other actors are working. You know, mm-hmm. as, as an opportunity where if you have a great idea or you think you have a great idea, there's an outlet for it, you know, yeah. where before, you know, three networks, just the studios, that was it, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and it's true. We've sort of gotten used to the way you see in movies with cursing and nudity and, you know, not necessarily just for gratuitous reasons, but just to sh- show reflection of reality, how people talk and live. We become so accustomed to it that I'm fascinated looking back at certain shows. Star Trek's one of them. I mentioned X-Files, other genres. You look at Miami Vice in the 80s, which I felt was very groundbreaking and not a shocker that Michael Mann went out to do what he did. And those shows did have to work with certain restrictions, with the FCC, with with commercial breaks and all that stuff. And again, the fact that, you know, 20 some odd episodes a season, season after season. Six. Yeah, and and it, the quality, I mean, the staying power, working within all those limitations. Do you feel maybe it, it forced more quality writing? It forced more quality acting. It, it sort of pushed everyone more, knowing that you had to work in those limitations.
1: Oh, in the uh, in the in the old days. Yeah. Oh, I, I think that it wasn't. I don't think that it was about quality. I think that. Uh, there was a there was kind of a, a Hollywood machine that uh, that was going on where uh, there it was since it was so closed they only hired the best writers you know they only hired the writers that were doing incredible work or they came from you know Broadway or you know whatever the case or their authors or what you know Michael Crichton for instance mm-hmm. you know Mario Puzo with The Godfather um, and uh, and now it's 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 a lot different because there's so much out there that, that they're trying to find as much content as they can, as much material as they can. And so I think it's kind of watered down a little bit. Um, there's a lot of shows that, that rise to the surface as mm-hmm. anything. But I mean, I think that if I had an issue with any of this, it's just the idea that, um, oh God, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh, well. I'm not going to try to think of it now. Anyway, but they're, they're, I'll, if I think about it, I'll, I'll, I'll
0: say it. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of the, the acting side of it, because you have the unique perspective of, you know, when the camera's rolling and you get to see everyone when the cameras are cut, the audience doesn't. So you get to see the transformation that not just you go through, but sort of all the other actors go through. Who blew you away the most in terms of just, transforming from who they are day to day to, to who you saw them on the screen. Do you ever get shocked sort of when, when you're acting with someone?
1: Uh, no, no, not really. I, um, the, the one thing that I did um, see that I thought was interesting was not about transformation, but you know, you could see why a person is a star. Mm-hmm. You know, Cause I worked with a couple of stars and I kind of went, I was acting with them and I go, see where that person's a star you know Uh, they have a there's a certain quality that comes across and uh, if you're fortunate enough to be able to to do a lot of movies and hone that craft and it's just second nature to you but transformations now I mean people are funny Um, they you know they can be playing a very serious role and the the cameras cut and they are hilarious you know and that to me was really difficult because all of a sudden i can't watch them anymore you know it's 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 like oh here they go and they're (laughs) acting now and um but but that's the only that's the only kind of transformation otherwise
0: it's and you also you, you had this sort of you know obviously we've heard many times you talk about the process of putting all the makeup and and all that stuff. And I'm sure it can get very frustrating and annoying to, to have to do that. But does it help sort of transform into a character sort of, you know, I don't want to say rely on something because, you know, all of it still has to come from you, but is it something that you know, in the back of your mind? Well, now because I look different, I can be different.
1: No, not at all. In fact, um, uh, for for me, I'll just speak mm-hmm. to myself. I'm not going to talk about other actors or try to talk to them. But for me, it's always a, a dream come true because you can do whatever you want to do because you're hidden. Hmm. And so you can create this character and make him do anything you want him to do uh, because you're behind a mask. Yeah. And it becomes uh, not easy but it becomes a real welcome challenge. And so uh, the makeup, I said, oh, God, I feel terrible. Oh, I feel like you know, I, I never thought that. It was coming from the inside. I was going, okay, I'm going to make this character, da-da-da-da-da, I'm making this, making that. And I never really thought about the makeup mm-hmm. uh, helping with that. Um, I do know that, that people thought I was kind of gruff and surly because, you know, the makeup never moves. And so I always had this perpetual scowl on my face, mm-hmm. but I was just sort of like sitting there. But, uh, but otherwise, no, I, th- I, and I think other actors feel the same way. I think some probably say, Oh, I wasn't that character until I put on the makeup. But for me, no, I was, I was the character and, and, you know, the makeup was just a mask. Mm.
0: And when you build a character up, whether it's, you know, it was Worf or, or a voice for, for a certain, Project. Are there any characters, movies, actors that you sort of look to that inspired you when you were coming up or, or when you were a kid that you say that's sort of the energy that I want to carry into this?
1: Uh no. Um, I love old actors. I mean, I know just about all of them, and and over the years, I there are actors that I consider super interesting. Um, but um I, I never thought about them as as like, oh God, well that's what I want to do. I I only I only thought about them as like, wow, that was interesting, mm-hmm. and that okay, whatever I do, I'm gonna make it interesting. You know, uh, I always thought Gene Hackman was a fabulous actor. Interesting choices. I think Sam Waterston from Law and Order, super. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he should have won an Emmy for every year he was on Law and Order. I mean, it was just But you can't be those people, and you can't bring who they are or what you see to your performance at all. Uh, You you can do it, and I and I played with it one time. Uh, There was one time that Patrick and I were talking about Sir Lawrence Olivier and the way that he always spoke, and I tried it one time with Worf and I had to I had to loop it, I had to overdub it later on in post because the 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 producers are going, What were you thinking?
0: You know? And that's something you also only have the opportunity to do because it's a long running TV show. So you get to revisit the character and you're always there. And and there gets to be a point of just experimenting and, and playing around.
1: Yep. So but um, but no, I find there was a lot of actors I worked with who are super interesting, who were super good and you know, you really loved it, but but nobody nobody, I said, Oh, I want to be like John Wayne, or I want to have that type of thing. I mean, I'd love to have that clout that he has, you know, where, yeah. you know, that that's the one great thing is to be able to, to be, to work in your craft. And if you're, if you're doing really well, and you're well in demand, then, you know, you are working constantly and honing your craft at the same time. It's great.
0: Yeah. Well, again, you know, John Wayne is John Wayne, but your face is tattooed on people's bodies so yeah, it's, it's it's very fascinating there, there's i mean it's great but it's it's almost a little cultish how how people get behind the show and and star trek is one of those where i mean you look at the conventions star trek is one of the reasons why they are what they are now it's almost its own industry uh and you know playing worf you you got to be behind this sort of mask when, when you get recognized, I'm, I'm sure super diehard fans recognize you. Uh, but do you get recognized by not necessarily the people who can speak Klingon?
1: Um, uh, there was, it goes in waves. There was a time when I was not recognized at all. Then there's a time when I was recognized a bit. And now it's only from the diehard fans. Um, but I also get recognized from other work that I've done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that is that is pretty good.
0: Yeah. You also, because now I want to switch over. You uh, built these characters, you know, and and then you got the opportunity to direct and work behind the camera.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What sort of led you to that?
1: I always wanted to be a director. That's why I got in the business. And um, uh, every I started out just, you know, shadowing people on the sitcom that I that I a good friend of mine was was working on and, and that's what I wanted to do. And I would always say, well, I'll take this job and then I'll make some money and then I'll start directing. And I always, I fell in love with acting anyway, but so I just kept kind of working and it kind mm-hmm. of get, get, kept getting put off and put off. Uh, interestingly enough, the, the funny thing is that's, that's a great thing now about the way the business is, is that there's so many things out there, they need directors, you know, mm-hmm. they, there's so many directors.
0: You know, and so you, you definitely have a unique experience because you said you sort of came up where it was this machine sort of industry. The only way to me, it just sounds like sort of the Nashville music machine where it's just a well-oiled machine.
1: Yeah. And, and everybody kind of knew everybody else. And, and, um,
0: uh, you,
1: it, it was very, you know, if, if you worked at MGM, you know, then you know, the people at 20th Century Fox knew you and you can go from there to there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was very, it was very interesting. I, I don't, I wouldn't say better or worse or anything
0: like that. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just, just different, different, yeah. I mean, was because it was so much, I don't want to say smaller, but so much more closed off. It would sort of felt like its own club where there's sort of like alliances and rivalries. Like sure. well, there's the Star well, Trek group and there's the Battlestar Galactica group and, you know, we're better than them. and mm-hmm. and, and sort of, you know, just... Meeting other shows and the relationships that build that way. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I don't. Um, I think that that is a small part of it. I mm-hmm. don't think that there is. I mean, people kind of laugh at and talk about it and joke about it, but I think we're all kind of in the same boat. You know, happy to still be a part of still, something. Still, gosh, um, even after Star Wars, there still wasn't the. Uh, the sort of big blockbusters that are out there. I mean, I, I was watching a trailer in a in a in a in a movie theater, and they were it was the Marvel superhero or something mm-hmm. like that, and they had all of the Marvel actors running at you, you know, in a very dramatic way. I think it was like twenty people.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, I don't know who these people are. You know, I mean, it's like, and it, that is a machine. And and that and not so much Star Wars or Star Trek, but all these other science fiction shows have mm. brought science fiction to the front.
0: Yeah. Well, Star Trek now is also they're relaunching the shows and you might be sort of you know, you know, I know a big part of that.
1: I know what I say. The, the issue I had with all the platforms that are out there now, mm. especially with cable, is that they have to they have to be more and more and more than the last show so if it's a dark show they got to be darker and if it's a if it's a show that's sort of like semi-pornography they gotta push it even further you know and so it becomes less about the the story and more about how far can we push this because if you don't push it far enough then you're just sort of like pablum you know you're, you're basically yeah. not really you know passe you know you gotta push the envelope constantly and sometimes you know you're watching the show and you're going why did they do that where where did that come from because they have to push the envelope
0: and yeah i definitely see that because there's shows and obviously we're all at this point a little bit desensitized to nudity and violence but i'll be watching a show with my wife my family and and there's a love scene And then it just goes on for like 20 seconds too long where everyone's sort of sitting there looking at their watch. It's like, what are we actually watching here right now? And I think that's something, like you said, it's because you can, you keep going further and further that you don't really stop and think, well, is this beneficial to, to the project that we're doing?
1: No, I, I think, I think most of it is gratuitous. I think that Uh, If there is something, you know, that it's and you're not looking at your watch, you're going, oh, man, what's going on? And, you know, this is interesting or whatever the case where, you know, a lot of times, like I said, they just get darker and darker and darker and more vicious and more if it's about if it's about a murder, they have to just. and, And to me, sometimes it gets to be funny, you know, when it gets so dark, you start it starts to be comical, you know because instead of cutting the head off, they had to cut the arms off. They had to, you know, then blood has the, you know, and you go, oh, and I'm like going.
0: Yeah, I was talking to a writer who who works on a lot of these, uh, I don't even know if it's sci-fi channel movies anymore, but like the ridiculous, you know, eight headed monster versus shark eight headed monster. And he was telling me, you know, a movie like Rosemary's Baby, you'd have to show the baby today. You, you can't oh. get away with that. He was flat out told in the first five seconds you have to have something massive happen. It, it, you can't just sort of build it up. You have to start off with that, you know, the eight-headed oh. monster bites off the other monster's head yeah. or something.
1: Now, I, I mean, I, now I like, now for instance, I always think my, my theory or the thing that I like, what gets me about movies, if they get me in the first 15 minutes, I'm there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if you if you catch me in the first 15 minutes, then I'm I'll stay with you mm-hmm. unless you just get ridiculous. But if you if you catch me in the first 15 minutes, then then I'm there. And the the one of the best first 15 minutes was I don't know if it was 15, maybe been 10, was uh the first Matrix movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now that to me was part of the story it was part of the thing where you're showing you know you're kind of setting this world up and you're not just throwing something out there mm-hmm. and that's a big difference
0: i even but, feel something a movie like that right now would be considered right, well, you know yeah. i feel even a movie like that right now would be considered sort of a slow burn if you can well, even say
1: well you know and i gotta tell you funny uh, I, I my cousin's daughter and her husband uh watched It may have been one of the Star Trek movies. I think it was. And at the end of it, you know, my cousin goes, so what do you guys think? I said, there's a lot of talking. And that's where we are right now. Yeah. I mean, you watch these movies and it's loud and it's coming at you and it's constant.
0: Camera's constantly moving oh, everything.
1: Oh, boy. It, you know, and I feel like a, like an old-timer, like, God, these darn kids, you know? Because I watched, uh, I think it was the first J.J. Abrams' Star Trek movie. And it was loud. And I was, like, going, wow. And, you know, it just... And we, I was with some kids, and um, they were... They were right there, and the minute that stopped, they kind of went and were kind of looking down. And then something happened again. They were they were there, and yeah, I think it's that's
0: weird. Like, it's a weird phenomenon. The well, way it's... we're conditioned now for for media, especially with cell phones and everything, it's
1: well. You just have to you just have to make it even darker.
0: Bigger yeah.
1: You know, and like, your Star
0: Trek was was a very cerebral show, yes. and and the funny part is when it came out, there was the argument, the MTV sort of generation, where the music video style of editing, where they were saying everything was cut too fast back then, everything's too moving too fast back then, and now it it just keeps getting faster and keeps getting faster to a point where, I mean, where is it going? You mm-hmm. know, I, I was talking yeah. to some cinematographers, and they said they don't even know what their field is necessarily anymore because once it goes into post with CGI and everything, it's sort of like that that's where the movie is made now. And it's just whatever they want in their imagination, just throw it on screen digitally.
1: The one thing, the good thing that I think about, about our fans is that it is, if it's Star Trek, I mean, if it has the Star Trek stamp on it, they're happy with it, you know uh, which is, uh they love the 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 kids love the the visual Mm -hmm. part of it uh but our fans still love the relationships they they enjoy that and so you just have to find a a happy medium with that stuff but you know um (laughs) like the i think it was the second movie Ah, i forgot the third movie but uh, not only was there a ship that was or of these bad guys that were uh, killing people, they were killing universes. You know? That's going, crazy. They're killing universes? Yeah, they're destroying universes.
0: Really? Whole systems. That's big, you know? Well, that's sort of Star Trek's way of one-upping Star Wars. You know, you had the Death Star. It's like destroying planets. That's yeah. to 1977.
1: You know, I, I got to tell you, my one of my favorite movies, uh, uh, was um, Rogue one because it was exciting. it was great story, lovely actors, all that type of stuff. and the Death Star was used very sparingly. you know, no, just destroy the city, you know, no, just destroy the facility. you know I mean, they weren't like, and that's the one thing that that I think that they, that we're missing now is that you don't have to do that. You know, you had to tease a little bit big, you know, you don't have to get, you know, instead of having, you know, 20 ships fighting, you have 300, you know, uh, you know, you can have 10 ships and still have the same, you know, excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Yeah. it's, it's, it's gone. I don't know where it's going to go, but, you know, the good thing is that there's so many platforms that, you know, my hope is that I'll be doing something that I love and I'm
0: passionate about and, you know. And... Well, storytelling is such a natural thing to, to humans and it's such an old form one way or another that I feel eventually it'll all come back to the stuff that's worked. I mean, more or less, we're still doing Shakespeare. Oh, yeah, you know, one way or another. So what works, works. Uh, and in terms okay. of Star Trek, it's I mean, just today I read they're, they're launching a cartoon or they want to launch uh, the, the cartoon. Yeah. So it, it's starting to, you know, after all these years, it feels like only now. Is it really building into something even bigger?
1: Well, I think that uh, there's there's levels of, mm-hmm. of this business. There's the top level, which is the big movies. You know, huge, huge, huge budgets, 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 big actors. are you know. And then there's another level of the kind of medium movies. You know, they have you know they're 20, 30 million dollars. They're doing really well. Then there's another level, which is the, the low budget movies, or the movies without the studio system or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And you know, all three are doing really good stuff. You know, nobody, none of it is bad. You know, um, it's just that. Um, I think that it's not going to come around as much as it's still there and it's always been there. It's just been in, in a, in a different level.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, well, everything changes. I mean, even this format, the podcast format, I feel it's, it's the same way people used to look at the tonight show, you know, before Johnny Carson, when it was still just experimental, you had, you know, Jack Parr and, and all that stuff. Uh, and, and that's something you were mentioning, you know, the length and not showing so much. Uh, I saw something interesting where with the tonight show, it always used to be, you know, the late shows you watch the whole program. Now it feels like everything is designed not to be watched that evening, but the next day, the clips, the sort of two minute clip, the five minute clip where it's almost like the two hour original show is irrelevant. It's all about what can we pull out of this and make trendy online the next day. And, yeah. and, and, You know, are we going to get to that point with movies as well where attention spans can't just sit for two hours or it's going to be watch this scene this is the one where the universe gets gobbled up
1: yeah well i think that i think that that's already happening um but i think that there's always uh there's always going to be a place for whatever you like i think that's one good thing about it is that you can you can see whatever you want to see on television, you know, or in the movies or whatever the case. If you want to go see, especially on television now, with the big screens and all that type of stuff, you can watch anything you want, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there is no rhyme or reason, or there is no thing where you have to, okay, we got to do what they do because it just doesn't work like that anymore, which is, which is fine. You know, I think it's, it's just a, a product of, of, you know the technology, and a product of you know a bit of greed. You know is always thrown in a little bit, um, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's like I said. I don't. I don't think it's bad. I think it's just a transition that we're going. Mm-hmm. Through. But you know, if I want to watch, you know, movies without any science fiction or without any uh, CGI, you can see a ton of those. Oh yeah, I mean just a ton. I mean I get. You know the um, in fact friends of mine get the screeners you know the uh, for the screen Actors Guild and for the Academy and a lot of those movies are not, no CGI whatsoever they're just all stories or you know so so there's there's always a place for, there always will be a place you know there'll be a place for podcasts there'll be a place for animation there'll be a place for for all of it so.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel the audience is sort of like that that silent majority where they still want what they've always wanted, because with the Academy Awards, they just came out and said that they're not going to be presenting the cinematography award and the editing award the way they traditionally have. And everyone exploded. You know, you look at social media, everyone's going crazy. Even people who aren't like myself, like the big film geeks, everyone's just sort of complaining about it. And it sort of seems like there's that disconnect between, you know, what the audience are still clamoring for. And what, you know, like you said, they're like, well, let's just push it further. Let's do this. Let's do that. Instead of just sort of seeing what's working and and what people are naturally gravitating towards. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think that. um, Did
0: you accidentally summon me? That's not.
1: Alexa. (laughs) Um, I think that it's it truly is. uh, One of those things where. They have people in the business who are there to figure out what people want. And they're paid a lot of money. And in the end, they haven't got a clue uh, because nobody can can predict. It just, just yeah. doesn't work like that. You know, I don't just, know if you saw, work. there's
0: there's a great sort of little uh, thing that Frank Zappa once said about why there was so much great music coming out in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And he said, because this, the record label execs at the time were these big, fat old guys with cigars in their mouths who just wanted to make money, who heard this music. And they said, I don't know what this is. Let's record it. If the kids like it, we'll make money. We'll be happy. So they would record all this music, not knowing what it is. And then what happened was someone said, well, let's hire one of these hippies. You know, let's hire these kids to tell us what's cool. And then these kids grew up into these executives. And then they said, I know what they want because I was that person. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you can't know what someone wants. You just have to sort of say, "I don't know why people like it, but you know what? If they like it, let's put it out there. Well, I mean, let's, let's at, experiment."
1: My my favorite. There's two favorite uh, anecdotes Is is um, big fat Greek wedding? Mm-hmm. It's a five million dollar movie. You know, made three
0: hundred million dollars. Oh, it became a phenomenon.
1: Phenomenon. And uh, the Blair Witch Project.
0: We're you know, still seeing copycats of the Blair Witch Project, the, I mean, the sort of that found footage. And movies did the found footage thing before that there was Cannibal Holocaust. But there was something about the way that movie did it where now it's a genre. And you, you
1: know? know what? And the people that, that made the movie had no clue. They were just making a movie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was it. And, and I, anyway,
0: I, I remember the whole thing around it where people were asking, like, is it real? Isn't it real? It, it became It became a phenomenon.
1: Yeah. And you're going and so so we can always try to figure out what people want. Mm-hmm. But you can always, I mean you could you can you can do pretty good within a genre. You know, if you're if you're doing a Star Trek movie, you got it. There's Kirk, there's Spock, there's, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Enterprise, you got that, you know. Um, but if you're out there just making a movie, you know, the best thing to do is to just to write it be passionate about it, love it, and film it. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it, you just don't know. You just- And you, can... and you
0: speak as someone who, who, you know, at heart want, wants to, you know, direct, and and that was originally your motivation. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of having worked in the industry as, as much as you have, and, and seen all these different projects, and seen the evolution from sort of television and cinema into the digital age, if you would go out now to sort of direct a project, what sort of direction would you be pulled towards? Oh, genres or, or different styles.
1: Uh, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, Quentin Tarantino fan. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I like his, he doesn't really have a genre,
0: you know? Yeah. Uh, He has fun.
1: And I, and I like that. I, you know, that if that's, if that's a genre, that's the genre that I'd be in. I think that is, this stuff is just you know phenomenal
0: oh yeah and yeah. his name was tied to uh, to a star trek movie it's what his name was tied to a star trek movie there's been rumblings that he's going to be working on a star trek movie and a lot of people are getting freaked out or, oh they don't want to see pulp fiction in space but they forget the person who made pulp fiction the person who made kill bill is someone obsessed with movies you know when he was making those movies he knew he was making those movies. So I feel there needs to be some trust in, in filmmakers, which people are also afraid. I'm sure it's the same thing happens with actors where with typecasting where, you know, the person who made Pulp Fiction might make one of the greatest sci-fi movies also because the movies that inspired him to make the sci-fi movies aren't necessarily the same movies that inspired Reservoir Dogs.
1: Well, I think that, uh, and mm-hmm. once again, we, we, we put the cart before the horse mm-hmm. with a lot of these uh, projects is that the goal is to make off fortune.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That's the goal. So, and the other stuff, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, we can get actors. Yeah. We can get like,
0: some, do we have the toys ready?
1: You know, the, the, but are we going to make a million? Are we going to make you a know, hundred million dollars, you know? And, um, but I mean, he, he has a great track record. I mean, why not? I don't, you know you can't, but but I think that the genre that I that I like is sort of the uh, an amalgamation of everything I've seen when I was growing up uh, the gangster movies, the mm-hmm. uh, the westerns, the um, uh, the godfather uh, movies. The it's all an, an, an amalgamation, and and I actually don't have a genre that that I sort of lean towards although uh a, a director that i respect very very much said that that she felt that that uh romantic comedies were my thing and um uh, actually wrote and filmed a little little bitty romantic comedy mm-hmm. a while ago uh it was my first little foray into that stuff and it was rough and you know could have been funnier <laughs> you know but you know you learn and um but that's that's kind of the genre. I, I, I like that. Um, but I don't have, you know, it's just a matter of what I'm passionate about at the time. So I don't have a genre. I mean, yeah.
0: I mean it's, all, it's all a reflection of life to some degree, every genre. I wouldn't say science fiction. I mean,
1: no, I wouldn't say science fiction.
0: You know, I love science fiction.
1: I've always loved science fiction since I was a kid. But I wouldn't say that that's what I was gravitating towards
0: it's interesting you say romantic comedy because it you know a lot of people shy away from it but obviously you know it's such a popular genre and the reason is we we all enjoy it because we all sort of live it you know to some degree we all have relationships in our lives and you know with the good comes the the bad and with the bad comes the funny and and it's become sort of a running gag where you know the you know guys don't like the notebook they just use that movie you know to to impress uh, whoever they want to be with mm-hmm. but at the end of the day we enjoy these movies i mean someone's watching these movies right. you know so so i'm curious to see the evolution and i'd love to i'd love to see you know the the romantic comedy that your brain would sort of put out there i'm sure everyone else would oh, also
1: i already wrote it and um uh, and it's it, it's basically the, the the log line is um, even old black people need love too uh,
0: see that's that's something where it, I feel the best material has a ring of honesty to it where where it feels like someone's just being honest
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: and and that sounds like an honest statement where it, you know, it's both trying to be funny and be trying to to you know relay something. Yeah, yeah. And there's definitely a story there.
1: The interesting thing is that hopefully, um, depending on what happens this year um, with all these platforms, there may be a place for it.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's the thing where we're seeing. You know, they say risks. I don't see it as risk. I see it as you know, you got to take make a lot of movies. You know, yeah. a movie like Taxi Driver was a risk. You know, just. God. Make movies, experiment, try it. There's Godfather, audiences out Godfather there. Is what it is. Godfather, yeah, because what what uh, I think Robert Evans, what he said when he was producing, he said, "I want to smell the spaghetti on screen." Because up until that point, a majority of the Italian gangster movies were cast with a lot of Jewish actors, and he said, "I want an Italian director. I want you know, I want something authentic in this movie to to capture that." And it, you know, no one knew what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. They didn't want Al Pacino in that movie. They wanted it, someone they like were. Robert Redford
1: they didn't want to brando yeah they did, they were like no they were like no <laughs> you
0: know yeah and uh, and you know the the fact is audiences are out there i think we're all open to stories so you know it was a pleasure chatting with you about yeah. it and and yeah. you know at the end of the day we're all film geeks you know where we're all a part of this because there's something about it where you know uh i think it was a winston churchill quote i saw it online so you know it has to be true
1: true. Uh,
0: never quit anything that you can't go a day without thinking about so this is something we definitely think every day about thank you so much for for chatting with me uh i you know i can't wait for everyone to hear this uh because you know just to geek out you talk about tarantino and all that stuff and and romantic comedies Uh, i think it's very good for everyone to start talking more about what they like to watch and what what they enjoy because it it is all just a communal experience and we're we're losing that a little bit with you know everyone in their cell phone watching a movie so let's 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 chat more about it let's talk more about it cool so thank you very much
1: thank you very much